1: Welcome back in, everybody! Right here to the early line, giving you the edge on sports grid. I'm Dane Martinez, known as the statistician, and by my side, as usual, every weekday morning is my man Kevin Walsh. As we put the fun in functional sports content, Kev, what a day in the association! yesterday right and we talked about this yesterday we wondered why these games wouldn't happen simultaneously like sometimes they happen in soccer now obviously the amount of courts they have in the bubble and the logistics of that would be one thing but here's how it played out right we knew a few things right we knew that the um we knew that the suns could win and still be on the outside looking in right well, they got their win, 128-102 over the Dallas Mavericks. Devin Booker puts in 27. He continues to impress. They go undefeated in the bubble, and we'll see if it was good enough. Um, the Grizzlies, who everybody thought was going to be limping in. We didn't know what was going to happen with the Milwaukee Bucks. Well, the Grizzlies get the job done, 119-106. to They keep their hopes alive, right? Then the next thing we were going to see were the Spurs. However, as we had discussed already, Kev, because the Grizzlies and the Suns had already won, that in essence rendered the Spurs game moot and the 22-season streak of the Spurs getting to the playoffs was ended. They didn't take care of business anyway, losing to the Jazz 118-112. And then that set the stage for the Portland Trailblazers, Kev, right? Because... They were in the spot that I think the NBA wanted. Right, so they win, they get in. They're the eighth seed, the Catbird seat against Memphis in this play-in over the weekend. If they lose, however, lost? However, Memphis then all of a sudden, even after they're limping, even after Jaron Jackson being out, even after everyone pouring on on them they would have been in the ninth seed. So there was jokes like the Phoenix Suns could have come out and started cheering like we see in March Madness in those regions. And Kev, what a game it was. Portland had it at the beginning. The Mets made a furious second half comeback and run. They then took the lead. And then Damian Lillard in the fourth quarter, you can see. He was like, nah, 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 I'm not letting this slip away. Literally shooting from the logo, literally making incredible passes. The Nets were double-teaming him in the backcourt, Kev, to force the ball out of Dame Dollar's hands. He winds up with another 40-plus game. But I also got to say, Kev, Karis Levert on the other side is no joke. And I got to tell you, you laughed at me when I said it once. But next year, Brooklyn may have a big three with Kyrie, KD, and Karis Levert. But that's another thing. I
2: you.
1: you did. Portland, like though, Portland, though, is now in the catbird seat, does get the eighth seed. They will play Memphis this weekend. Damian Lillard has to be the MVP of the bubble. The man is averaging over 50 in his last three games, Kevin.
3: Yeah, look, he's definitely um, bubble MVP. There, there's, there's no two ways about it. They went out there and you know season on the line. They got the job done, and it came down to one Karis Lavert shot. Ball's in the air. Buzzer. It's a make of this uh, league. <laughs> it is. It is crazy to say. Look, they, you know, I think Lillard played the whole second half as the TJ McCollum. Forty-four minutes for the two of them. Thirty-seven and uh, thirty-seven for Mello and Gary Trent Jr. I mean, these guys put full yeah. shifts in to. Get the job done. I I do want to quickly say, you got to give Brooklyn their credit, man. Uh, You know, as we welcome the radio audience right here uh, on the early line. They didn't have to do this. This was completely unnecessary in terms of, you know, their seating. But I I give credit to Jock Vaughn for going out there, you know, getting a legitimate playoff type of feel, look from his group, and getting that effort. Uh, You got to give
1: Brooklyn a lot of credit. You do. You don't give them any chance against the Raptors, though, in the round one, do you? Well, that's the point that I've been dying to
3: make. I mean, because as far as I can tell, the Lakers yeah. are on the ropes. As far as I can tell. I mean, those yeah. boys are about to be had. But the okay. they chance against the Raptors. Now, that's just based on what I hear. Tell me how that works out, though. How
1: does that make any sense after what we just saw here? I'm not saying it makes any sense. I'm asking you the question. Okay, because you're right. They have looked amazing, shorthanded. Remember their win against the Milwaukee, the way they with absolutely nothing to play for. They are showing up and showing out. And boy, I gotta tell you something. Karis Levert, it it, 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 it looks sloppy when he goes to the hole. It's oh, very awkward. It really does. It looks awkward. It looks out of control. It looks like he's about to lose the ball every kind of spin move he makes, but he'll get to his spot, and it's buckets. You know, like, I'm very impressed with Karis LeVert. He needs to be in the kind of all-bubble team. I know we're going to talk about sure. that at some point this weekend as well, Kev. But for these Portland Trailblazers, I mean— We're going to talk about the play-in round with Memphis when we come back, right? And, you know, the rest of the games as well. Are you on the train? Are you buying into Portland? I mean, they have all the ingredients. You have said also this old season, they were a mid-level team. I know you don't like the defense, though.
3: Yeah, they gave up 133 to the
1: Nets with their season on the line. They even one thirty one to the back. Can they outscore people the like like Houston wants to. Can they just go like in that way Wait. and just try to be like, okay, we'll beat you one thirty seven, one thirty three. That's what they're going to have to try and do. That's
3: what they're going to have to try and do. But when you come up against the potential the number one seed in the West, it's just not that simple. This is awesome, but just
1: in he played forty four minutes against the Nets yeah. and they won by a point. And the ball was in the air with Karis Levert having a chance to send them home. There are still games today that you can bet on, although they don't mean much. We'll talk about it when we come back right here on the early line. Welcome back in, everybody, to the early line right here on sports Grid, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh, where we put the fun in functional sports content. Kev, if you're going to wake up bright and early and get all this information, try to make it a more profitable day, you might as well have some fun while we're doing it. And to be quite honest, Kev, I think the teams that are in action in the NBA today may have a little bit of fun. Remember we saw a couple of days ago, when it was like Philly and Toronto playing a game, it was a lot of the bench guys, but these guys were carrying on on the sidelines back and forth, right? I think we're going to see some of that. Let me tell you about these games today. Okay, you got Denver and Toronto, right? You got the Heat and the Pacers, which is they're just going to play each other for the next like two weeks in a row, right? You got the Sixers and the Rockets, and then you got the Thunder and the Clippers. None of these games have totals. That's something you've always said to look for, right? Because it is so much of an unknown with, no spots really or positioning really on the line for the eight teams in action today. Thunder and Clippers, they don't even have a a lineup on the board at all with our partners Mm -hmm. and friends on FanDuel. You know, I told you that they may take this a little bit lighthearted. It may be kind of different rotations, different minutes allocations. What are you expecting to see from these eight teams, Kev, that are in the playoffs, but have nothing on the line today?
3: So I'm actually excited to talk about these because uh, I want to offer something up to you that I think is doable. I think is the way I want to approach yes. these games, but I might be pulling off a far too small of a sample size here. Now I know we don't have any totals, but that's okay. Work with me here. We are looking at what should be meaningless games. Okay, if there was yes. going to be a meaningful game, right, it would be Heat Pacers because you can secure your you know virtual fans for what would be Game Seven. But is that the on the line playing,
1: really? It is like the virtual fans on yeah. that wall for games like 1-2 yeah. and 5 yep. or whatever. Okay. Yeah, legitimately like that is on the line. Um but <laughs>
3: we know that, you know, obviously the home court does not matter. The Heater playing nobody, the Pacers are playing next to nobody. Um so the question I have for you though is we look at yesterday's seven games slate. And I would say to you that there were two nothing games. Now you might tell me that there were more than that, but I would say that the Wizards were still fighting to not go winless in this reset, and we saw them win that game. We talked about that yesterday, why that was possible, and as much as the Spurs situation was over, Donovan Mitchell was still oddly playing out there, and that game was supposed to mean something, and you know, I don't think the mindset is comparable to the teams that are playing today, but I think the two games that are comparable Kings-Lakers Pelicans-Magic a game that saw 258 and a game that saw 260 points. And my plan here today, Dane, is to take all four yeah. of these games,
1: play every single one of them over, and not watch a right. second. Yeah, I like that. That blind over, right? We are seeing this offense in the bubble. And when you say the way they may treat it, it may look like a glorified all-star game, right? Back and yeah. forth, outlet passes. Yeah, I, I understand that. I, you know, It's hard to pick a side when you don't know the motivation, right? But they may just keep on going up and down the court and then get ready for the playoffs. Well, Kev, the playoffs technically, I guess you can say they begin tomorrow in the association, right? This is going to be that eight-nine. And let's just reset this for people. The Portland Trailblazers are the eight-seed. The Memphis Grizzlies are the nine-seed, okay? And Kevin before has called it, and I and I like the way he thinks about it. Consider this: the eight-seed Portland is in essence. Up one nothing in a best-of-three series, okay? So on Saturday, if Portland wins the game and beats Memphis and they're in, they see the Lakers next week, I believe, on Tuesday. If they lose, though, then this kind of best-of-three series would be 1-1. They'd play a decisive game on Sunday in that scenario with the winner of that game then, Advancing to see the Lakers when I look at this game on Saturday that starts at about 2 30 p.m. Eastern time I will be on in-game live with my man Gabe Morrency talking about the start of this one, but The Portland Trailblazers are seven point favorites in this first game now I know everyone's on Damian Lillard man is averaging 50 a game over his last three and we know about the narrative with the Grizzlies, right? No, Jaron Jackson, how the Grizzlies have not played well in the bubble. Are you going to think that that just continues and the Blazers are a kind of obvious choice here? What do you do with these seven points? Yeah, so this is going to be really
3: interesting here because you've got a Memphis team that I, I got to be honest with you, I, I do feel bad for because we've seen, we saw these two teams play one another in the eight seeding games. Game went to overtime, four-point win for the Blazers. It was a great game. Memphis, we should be talking about are they live here or not. But the Jaron Jackson injury changed everything. And there were a number of games, Dane, where Memphis was fighting for their playoff lives, the ability to hold on to that eight seed. And it didn't matter. They just didn't have enough juice. Now, I know they got that win against Milwaukee. The Bucs couldn't have looked worse yesterday. I mean, the Bucs could have not looked worse in that game. We know Giannis didn't play. So it just doesn't hold as much water. But I'll ask you this question. Portland, when they played Memphis, closed as three-and-a-half-point favorites in that Mm -hmm. first go-around. Was that before the Jaron Jackson injury? Yes, it was. Jaron Jackson, though, is not worth three-and-a-half points. Maybe worth a point, maybe a a point-and-a-half. Plus, people will want to bet against it. So I would say to you, technically, the value would be here on Memphis. But we will continually be talking about motivation. And if you're the Blazers, you want to get this over with. Because first of all, you don't want to have right. to play another now an elimination game. That's worrying. But also, it's very taxing. Anthony Davis is going to have a week off in between when he last played and this right. first matchup against whether it's you know Memphis or it's Portland. And the rest of the Lakers have not played since what will have been Thursday. It's a long gap. Compared to a Blazers team that just had to put in a 44 minute shift, will probably have to play their guys a full complement of minutes to get this job done here, and then maybe have to do it again. So I think we're looking at a Blazers team that should be incredibly motivated to get the job done. You know what I mean? Like, there's no like, yeah, oh, we've got two cracks here at this. Like, no, let's end this and let's end this now. Mm-hmm. To be also fair though, with Portland, these last two games they haven't covered. OK, they've been winning. Sure. They've not been covering. I, I think I don't think they've covered in the last four outings. In fact, 0 four ATS. We're a ways out. My early lean, though, might just be to take the seven points with Memphis. Hope they show fight, but probably still expect Portland to get the job done.
1: Yeah, I expect Portland to get the job done as well. The question for me is if the seven points is too big of a number. I know that Jackson makes up part of that. Maybe the momentum and these teams just going in different directions makes up the rest. But obviously the public steam on the Blazers and Dame Dollar right now is a Mm -hmm. part of it as well. You know, we'll talk about this, of course, next week, starting on Monday with the early line. But then the playoffs will be there, right? And two things to note real quick. One is that it looks like they're going to go four games a day right Kev when it looks like at one or third at four six nine it looks like those when those are the tip-offs right you're gonna have a game at 130 a game at four a game at 630 and a game at nine and so it'll be wall-to-wall basketball at least here in the first round the other thing to note um the Houston Rockets who don't play until the very end on Tuesday you know the Lakers versus whoever it is will be that last game on Tuesday but one thing to note Is Russell Westbrook is not 100%. It looks like Westbrook is even going to miss at least the first couple Mm of games of this series. This is a huge piece of injury news as the Rockets look to take care of the Thunder in the first round. That's right, man. We got the Thunder here for that
3: first game at pretty much even money to make it happen. And I do believe I thought the Rockets could be had by this Thunder team if Westbrook was healthy. This is now going to be a tough mountain for the Rockets to climb. I'm going to be excited to see how that line moves. And one other game I want to mention to see if the line moves at all. Brooklyn getting 10 and a half against Toronto. People are going to be excited about this Brooklyn team. But do keep in mind, the Raptors are laying the same number that the eighth seed Portland Trailblazers did. That is, now maybe that's just an awful line. And to be fair, it was a terrible line. And you consider the fact that the ball was in the air and they were only down by one Mm -hmm. in the game. So the line was terrible there, and Brooklyn was the side in that game. But that just jumps out to me that the two-seed Raptors are laying the same
1: number that the eighth-seed Blazers laid to this Brooklyn Nets unit. And we know that the Blazers' defense and the Raptors' defense are night and day. When we come back, though, there's a UFC pay-per-view card tomorrow night. So, we got to bring in our guy, Jay, the Sports Keg CEO. Keep it locked on that. More of the early line coming up next. But for now, check the news update.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back in everybody and by everybody that means including our radio audience around the country here on sports grid where we give you the edge I'm Dane Martinez known as the Spitting statistician I got my main man Kevin Walsh as usual and as usual for a Friday morning. We are bringing in our guy, Jay, the Sportskeg CEO, because we have a UFC pay-per-view card to get into for this weekend. I believe it is UFC 252. Jay, how you doing, brother man? Good to have you back on the show.
4: I'm doing well, my friend. I've been looking forward to this pay-per-view for a while. I'm glad it's here.
1: Yeah, I am too. And I want to start off on this. Okay, we're going to get into the fights. I know you and Kevin like to geek out. I got to find out how to bet the sugar show, for goodness sakes. But I want to start here, Jay. Um, What happened to Fight Island? Okay, because like we're back in Vegas for this one. I know it's like the smaller octagon or the larger octagon and all that stuff. I loved going over to Abu Dhabi. I thought it was cool. What's going on? Are we done with that? Because we're back in Vegas here for 252.
4: No, we're definitely not done. Uh, Dana White said that he's buying a house out there. They plan on being there multiple times uh, between now and about a year from now. So Dana White's planning that. Mm. he, He doesn't think that the UFC gets back to normal for at least a year. So I think that they will be back in Fight Island either at the end of September or early October. So Fight Island is not dead.
3: Let me ask you somewhat on that topic, because I think it will it'll factor into some of these fights. And we can talk about it more specifically when we get to those fights. But from a broader perspective, being in the smaller cage, then, like they are here in Vegas, how much, if at all, does that matter to you when you're breaking down these fights?
4: Uh, you know, it does matter, Kev, uh, depending on the style matchup in the fight. Um, example, do I think it's going to matter in the O'Malley fight? Probably not. Do I think it's going to matter in Cormier Stepe? Yeah, I think it will. So it really, it really all depends. Um, I think any wrestler has a legitimate advantage in that cage that I think is about five feet smaller. So yeah. it, it's just easier to get your hands on somebody and take them down. And I guess, you know, technically in, in the opposite regard, anybody that loves to dance around the cage and, and use their footwork from range on the outside might might have a little bit smaller uh, or a little bit harder of a time because th- it's just
1: less uh, surface
4: area to work with.
1: All right, Jay, let's get into this. You said the size of the cage may matter in the main event. You said you've been looking forward to it for a long time, and it is round three of a trilogy. DC got the job done in the first one. Stipe came back, and I guess this was even when, like, Brock Lesnar coming in the ring and stuff like that. This is crazy. We've got DC and Stipe for the third time Cormier, a minus-116 favorite, at least right now, with our friends and partners on FanDuel. How do you see this one breaking out?
4: I'm psyched, man. should be Cormier's (laughs) last fight. I, I, I truly believe the fight will define both legacies. If Stipe wins, he's undisputedly the greatest heavyweight champion of all time in the history of the sport. If Cormier wins... It puts him, at the very least, in the conversation for the greatest combat sports athlete ever. We know DC takes the first, and in that second fight, he goes into that fourth round probably up three rounds to none. So that was before Miocic makes the adjustment in round four, right? In round four, he decides to start ripping the body. He throws that left hook to the body Uh, 16 times and and crumples them. They're in the smaller cage now. If I'm in Cormier's corner, I'm telling him, listen, man, you have to use the Olympic wrestling much more in this fight than in the first two. Now, Daniel Cormier has proven that he can hang on the feet with Stipe 100%. But I believe that since Cormier has the extra avenue to win this fight, he needs to take advantage of it. Now, Stipe has taken every opportunity um, that he's had in the octagon, aside from fighting Cormier, Stipe's gotten his opponent to the mat, except DC. And there's a reason for that. So this is what I think. Biggest factor for Stipe is the chin. In the first fight, he comes in off the Nganu fight six months prior. Cormier hits that button, pinpoint perfect. He drops him, right? Now, In the second fight, Stipe wore that damage much better because he had that one-year layoff. And and I, I think that Stipe's chin probably will not be affected again because he's had a long layoff. Now, on the flip side, there was also extenuating circumstances for Cormier. He had back surgery months before that second fight. He said that's mm-hmm. why he didn't lean on his wrestling much in that fight. Hmm. So now they both come in prepared, healthy, healthy. The smaller cage should matter for Cormier if he decides to chain takedown attempts and control the fight. So I think this is what I think, boys. I think it's so hard to call. I think, I think it's so hard to call. Okay, But the angle that I love in the fight is that I am very confident that we see 10 minutes in this fight. So fight to start round three is minus 160, and I really believe that there's value in that line based on everything we know from these two guys in the first two matchups. I'm throwing out that knockout in the first round in the first fight. I think we're going to probably see round three or four in this fight. I feel good about it. If you had to pin me down on a side, I guess Mm. I I have the slightest of leans to DC that, that he just... He, he can hang with them on the feet. If he decides to lean on that wrestling in the cage, if he wants to take them down, he's taking them down. There's nothing Steve I can do about it. So I, a slight lean to Cormier, and I will definitely have a bet on fight starts round three at minus 160.
0: Hmm.
3: Well, I'm very interested here, Jay. I mean, this fight is awesome, right? We've been waiting for this trilogy. There's so much at stake for both of these guys. And, you know, we see the line at the FanDuel Sportsbook, minus 116 Cormier, minus 102 Stipe, right? Like, a lot of times, high-profile fights, but the line will tell you that one guy is massively favored over the other. And here we have what is almost a pick'em. But you mentioned if you had to lean, you'd lean Cormier. And I feel like if I had to lean, I think i confidently might lean Cormier. Maybe I'm buying a little too much into what he's selling, but he's almost been laughing about the idea that they're going to be in this smaller cage, about what he's going to be able to do and what his plan is in terms of wrestling. And Cormier feels very serious that this is going to be his last fight. And I don't think he's going to get lax. You mentioned he was up 3-0 going into the fourth round of that last fight. So am I crazy to feel though that Maybe there is value there on Cormier. I know is dangerous. I don't want to take anything away from Stipe. But because of what Cormier is saying and how he plans to attack this from a wrestling perspective, I don't know what is supposed to do to stop it.
4: I 100% agree with you that there's value on, on the side of Cormier. What nobody talks about is, yes, he was up 3-0 in that second fight. Um, all on the feet, didn't really take him down, I think except possibly that first round for the last couple of minutes he took him down. Coming off that back surgery, as somebody that's had five back surgeries, it's rough, man. So, I mean, the, yeah, the fact that he's going to be fully healthy there and he got through a grueling training camp and said the back feels great. And then if you look at what the line was in the prior fights, the first fight, Cormier's is a plus 210 dog. The second fight, I think Cormier was a plus 170 dog. A- and now here he sits at, at like minus 110. Uh, I think that, you know, there's – There's respect for Daniel Cormier now based on what we have seen. And personally, I thought he should have been the favorite in both the first and second fight. Because Mm -hmm. I just think higher of him as a mixed martial artist than I do Stipe Miocic. Stipe is just an incredible boxer, man, in in MMA. Daniel Cormier is the whole package. So, yeah, I agree, Kev. I do think that there's value. We know that, that Cormier can hang with him on the feet. And we know he has a massive edge in wrestling. So all that spells, yeah, I think there's value on Cormier.
3: Let me ask you one more question kind of about how this fight might end. There's a couple of different uh, ways you can play this at the FanDuel Sportsbook. Will the fight go the distance is plus 182? And on the how fight will end prop, knockout is minus 170. Maybe it's just me. I'm a little surprised how confident they are that there is a stoppage in this fight. Are you, do you believe it is somewhat of a guarantee that we are actually going to see one of these guys put the other to the mat?
4: Um, I, I think, listen, in a heavyweight fight, it's in a 25-minute fight, it's really hard for one of these guys with the size that they are to not hit the button once and drop somebody when you have that much weight behind you. That being said, based on what we've seen, I do think that there is a chance, at the very least, that this can go 25 minutes. I mean, we were deep in round four, man, until Stipe decided to use that left hook. If I have one concern mm-hmm. about Cormier, I'll tell you this: it's it's his body seemed really soft when see when Stipe started ripping those hooks into his mm-hmm. stomach and and his and his liver. That made me a little nervous. Like, well, if he starts doing that from the jump. Is Cormier in trouble? So that is my only question about DC in this fight. But yeah, I do. Th- I th- like I said, my favorite bet is fight starts round three. I think we're getting into round three and possibly four. And if that's the case, it could definitely go five. So plus 180. Um, yeah. You know, normally in a five-round heavyweight fight, that's probably like plus 300 or plus 400. Mm -hmm. So I do think they're giving some slight respect there to these guys. But, uh, yeah, it could definitely go the distance.
1: All right. Here we go, Jay. That's a lot on Stipe and DC. We've got other fights we want to talk about. We're going to have to take a quick break. When we come back here on the early line, Jay, I need you to figure out how do I bet the sugar show? Because I want to, but I can't at minus 290. We'll figure out how when we come back right here on the early line.
0: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
1: Welcome back in everybody to the early line right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez, known as the Spit Statistician, and Kevin Walsh as we put the fun and functional sports content. And we are continued to be joined by our guide, Jay, the sports gag CEO with pay-per-view UFC 252 on the horizon for tomorrow. So we talked about the main event, Jay. You know, we talked about DC. We talked about Stipe, a slight lean to DC, but you think that fight will get into the third round, that minus 160. I'm going to click submit on that a little bit later on. But I want to ask you about this guy, Sean O'Malley, the Sugar Show. Kevin put me on to this guy a few fights ago, you know, and then with his knockout style and his hair, I'm all about it. I'm bought in, I'm all in, Jay, but you know I can't lay minus 290. And that's what it looks like he sits at now (laughs) in what Kevin is telling me is going to be the toughest fight of his career so far against Marlon Vera. How do you see this one going? Am I crazy to want sugar show? And if so, how do I get it at a little bit less than minus 290? I mean, you guys
4: could be co-presidents of the O'Malley fan club, bro. <laughs> <laughs> all right.
1: So Sean. Is it trouble for him, though, today? Is it trouble for him today, tomorrow?
4: The UFC must really love the kid, man. Third fight in five months yeah. for this kid. And, you know, for Dana White to give him a co-main event spot in a pay-per-view tells you all you need to know about what he thinks about him. Sean O'Malley is one of those few fighters that when you watch – There's something different about him in the cage. We've spoke about that early on when you would watch uh, Connor at cage warriors or the first couple fights in the UFC, you could just tell he was special and I get that vibe. Now his striking is elite for somebody that's only 25 years old. His use of range is fantastic. And, even though he has that slim frame deceiving power, right? So he finally takes on a game opponent in Cheeto Vera. Certainly, I would say a step up in class for sure. Vera, we know, comes in off the Sonya Dong loss. But I thought it was a really, really close fight. And you could have easily given that fight to Marlon Vera. So... If you can say anything about Marlon Vera, it's the fact that he is a tough out. He's never been knocked out in his career, and he's a really scrappy step-up in class. Extremely well-versed in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, has the black belt. Um, He's had a ton of submissions inside the cage. I think Marlon Vera will be the first fighter in a while to drag O'Malley into the deeper waters. Do I think O'Malley wins the fight? Yes. However, I'm not laying the three dollars like you don't want to, right? right? So, I think everybody's going to be looking for the discount, and they're probably going to take O'Malley by knockout because he's been a highlight reel. I think Sean O'Malley wins a dominant decision, and Marlon Vera <clears> uh, survives. Now, you can get Sean O'Malley at plus one ninety five on FanDuel by decision. And I think that's the way to go, man. I I do think he wins, but, you know, Cheeto Vera's never been um, stopped in the UFC. He's a tough out. I think he can last 15 minutes.
3: Let me ask you this about Sean O'Malley. Because, look, you can't watch him and, I think, not somewhat think about Connor, And a lot of that comes, I think, from the composure that he seemingly has in the cage. So he's now here in the co-main, which is crazy when you look at it. Like, he's 14th in bantamweight. Cheeto's not even ranked right now. And they're going on above a heavyweight fight that has two top 10 guys before them. It shows the, the power that he has there. And the composure doesn't make me worry about the spot. But if we're going to do the Conor comparisons, and let's go the full way with it. The one knock on Conor, maybe not the one knock, but one of the knocks on Conor is the gas tank. Do we know enough about O'Malley's gas tank to feel confident if Cheeto successfully drags him into deeper waters?
4: I mean, you know, the the last fight that we can really compare it to would be the Sukum top fight where he broke his foot. And, mm-hmm. you know, every time I've seen him in, in the third round of a fight, he's looked fresh. So, I mean, I, I really think that that's all that we can go on. I think the fact that it's his third fight in five months and he basically has not been out of, of a fight camp really in five months makes you think he's probably as conditioned as he's ever been. So I don't think that that will be an issue. Um, Yeah, definitely an issue for Connor, but I don't think it'll be an issue for O'Malley. All
1: right. Fair enough. You know, you. Kevin mentioned, Jay, that the Sugar Show is getting top billing, right, in the co-main, over top 10 heavyweights, over other kind of big names. And one of them is Junior Dos Santos. Junior Dos Santos, though, comes into this fight, Jay, as a dog, plus 112. How do you see this next fight?
4: Yeah, man. I I mean, have you guys seen pictures of what JDS looks like? I mean, the guy's in the best shape of his life. First time (laughs) I've ever seen him ripped. That said, he still has a chin that's been touched and cracked. He comes in off back-to-back knockout losses against Curtis Blades and Francis Ngannou. The question becomes, can he avoid being knocked out uh, a third straight time by an extremely scary guy in Rosenstruck? For a long time... We know JDS probably had the best pocket boxing in the sport. That changed when Stepe started proving himself. Um, you know, his opponent, uh, Jerzinho Rosenstruck, who I am a huge fan of. Now, he is 1-1 one one in his last two fights. Probably should be 0-2. He gets that last-second win against Overeem when he lost every round. And then he hmm. gets embarrassed by Engano in 30 seconds. All that said... I love Rosenstruck. People don't realize how special of a kickboxer he was. You know, multiple world champions, like 67 and 8 as a kickboxer. He has the one-punch power. But these guys that have the one punch power like him, like Derek Lewis, they fall into the trap that all heavyweights fall into. They don't throw combinations. They don't throw volume because they're always looking for that kill shot. And if the kill shot comes, they win. And if it doesn't come, they probably lose a decision. I I, I just think, you know, JDS is is at the is at the end of an extremely accomplished career. Rosenstruck, a really hungry guy, trying to make a name for himself and, and get back up into title contentions. I like him. Now, I thought the line was going to move towards Rosenstruck all week. It has not. It has done the opposite of what I thought. Mm-hmm. And I can only assume it's because JDS has the name recognition and Rosenstruck comes in off that loss against Ngannou. But my mm. money Will be on Rosenstruck. I like him in this hmm. spot. I think he gets it done. I, I, I kind of want to actually take this fight to somewhat pull us back to the main
3: event, if I may, because I, every time I feel like I look through the, these heavyweight fights, knocked out by Indanu, knocked out by Indanu. Like what he did, <laughs> Rosenstruck was ridiculous. Right? JDS fits the same billing. Look, I know Cormier has kind of been looking to get out for a while. And and Stipe, obviously, everything that he does out of the octagon uh, plays a factor into that. Do you think that they're a part of the reason that these two might want to hang it up is because they don't want to get into a ring with Francis? And if either one of them is around after this fight, you'd think the next fight is Francis. Do you think either of them has a shot? Or is Francis, you know, by the, say, the year's end, going to have that belt around
1: his waist.
4: I think that if Cormier wins the title, he's done and they would have to offer him an absolutely absurd amount of money to get back in that cage and do it one more time with Nganu. If, if Stipe wins, then you're going to see Stipe Ngannou too. Now in the first fight, Stipe won. He used that wrestling, Uh, but all that said, since that loss that Nganu took, He's like now like Francis Ngannou 2.0. I don't <laughs> think that Stipe would win a rematch. So my gut says, yeah, the next time that Ngannou fights for the title, it's going to be really hard to bet against
1: him. Yeah, he's a freak.
4: He's <laughs> insane.
1: <laughs> so Kevin asked the question and Jay answered with, yeah, pretty much. Um, Jay, <laughs> we only got a minute or two left here, okay? I know we talked about all the big-time fights on this card, but I know you stay up late watching tape of all of these fights. Okay, so I hear you already. The main event to start round three. I hear you with Sugar Show by decision. I did look also. Sugar Show by decision is like plus 195. Sugar Show by knockout is like plus 160-something. You almost could lay them both and just think that he doesn't win by, you know, submission, which is not his... Uh, kind of want in one way. And then it does seem like you're on Rosenstruck in this other fight over Dos Santos. Let me ask you, anything else on the card you like? Any plus money on the card you like? Female fights? Anything else you want to throw out to the people here on the early line?
4: I'll tell you, from a betting perspective, I don't love the card. But I would say I'm not a fan of Ashley Yoder. So I think the minus 160 on Souza, probably a little value there. Uh, Jimmy Miller is plus one, uh, 12 against Pichel. I would say in that fight, you either look to take Jim Miller by submission in round one and, or you take Pichel to win the fight. I think that Jim's got a chance in the first five minutes. I think after that, Pichel probably starts to take over. Um, other than that, man, I, I, you know, I, I lean T.J. Brown minus 150 against Danny Chavez. Um, You know, Daniel Pineda at plus 245 could potentially be a live dog against Herbert Burns. If you want to throw some McDonald's money on that, you never know. Um, aside, Aside from that, I would say that's probably all I'm looking at.
1: All right, well, don't sweat it, Jay, because you always help us out here on the grid and on the early line. We love having you on every Friday morning. We're going to keep it going as much as we can through the summer. And then, Jay, once football starts, I know you love the NFL as well. Hopefully the NFL (laughs) plays, and we can do that on Football Fridays. Because, honestly, Jay, they may play play Saturdays also at this pace. You know what I mean? Because it doesn't look like college is going to get going. So there'll be no shortage of things for us to talk about, Jay, as we head into the fall. Thanks for joining us, as usual, on a Friday morning. We'll talk to you next week, all right? Anytime, fellas. All right, sounds good. Jay, the Sportskeg CEO, Kevin. He's had five back surgeries himself. Talking about understanding that Cormier now feeling healthy, laughing, being able to wrestle in the smaller cage. It sounds like the perfect storm for DC.
3: Yeah. I, I mean, whenever you're going to get into a potential fourth, fifth round with a guy with, like, steep ace power, it's a dangerous game. It but is, yeah. I am, I am buying what Cormier is selling, man. I, yeah? I mean, he, like... Just that the confidence that he's exuding and knowing the ability that he has to take Stipe down, there truly might not be anything that Stipe can. And let me just tell you this as well: they're um, not being fans actually can help Cormier because he won't get caught up in being booed for sitting on Stipe for five rounds. He won't care. No one will be booing right. him, and he'll and he'll potentially be winning this title back and then being able to retire on top. Cormier, hey, fair enough. The minus 116, man, I, I think that's very workable. Though it's a great point that Jay brought up about what those prices were the first two go-rounds.
1: That's true. And also, I look at it, and if I want to put in a little DC with a little O'Malley with a little Rosenstruck, that together mm-hmm. as a 3 five parlay gets you to plus three plus 340 on the sports uh sports Fanduel sportsbook. If you want to add in Souza, who we liked at minus one hundred and sixty, you get a four fight parlay at plus six hundred and eight. We'll tie a nice little bow on this episode and the week of the early line when we come right back after this. Mm-hmm. Welcome back in, everybody, right here on Sports Grid to the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. But you got to keep it locked all day long. Right after us is the morning after. And, uh, you know, if you want to hear more speeds, I got you. Okay, but we will have Ariel Epstein on hosting the morning after. And, Ariel, incredible stuff in the NBA yesterday, right? The drama with Portland, Karis Levert almost sending the Portland Trailblazers home. There are still games on the slate today in the NBA, although they don't really matter. I want to ask you this, Ariel. Indiana is playing Miami. They will see each other in the first round of the playoffs. However, the higher seed will have their fans on the video wall for more of the games. You think that's enough for them to play for and give a full effort today?
2: I think that what's more important is that these players' families will at least have one family member in the crowd. That's going to have more of an impact. No, eff- no offense to any of the fans. I think that if you're trying to bet on sports today, the NBA is the last sport you should look at. I'd rather you bet on table tennis than go try mm-hmm. to bet the NBA today. You can wait for the weekend. You could wait for next week. Save your money.
1: I feel just like a... How Some interesting DFS gems. options, though. I will say that. Uh, but
3: go ahead. Uh, I disagree. When Mike Francesa is telling him, he's like, that's <laughs> the stupidest bet I ever. I disagree. Uh, Ariel, talk to me, though. What do you got coming up on uh, TMA today?
2: I don't even think Jared Smith and I will be able to get a word in. We have so many guests coming on the show today. Mafia and Carver coming on from coast to coast. They're going to talk about UFC and hockey. We also have Jim Sonis to talk about NASCAR as NASCAR is getting towards the end of the season, the regular season. Wow. And, of course, We'll break down Major League Baseball and those hockey playoffs, along with golf, actually. We have Steve Elkington coming on as well to talk about the Wyndham Championship this weekend.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. You got golf. We got UFC this weekend as well, Champions League and soccer. I know Jared is plugged into that. And you know what? I'd be willing to bet that Jared will be able to get a word in edgewise. Don't you worry about that, (laughs) Ariel. And to keep it going right here on Grid.